Hello, today is April 13th, 2018. My name is Taina Evans and I'm sitting with... Frederick Phillips. And we're here at Brooklyn College with the Who Tells Your Story, Creative Aging, and as a part of the Our Streets, Our Stories Oral History Project. So Frederick, why don't you begin by telling us what is your Brooklyn story? Well, it began uh, quite a few years ago. I was born in Barbados in the Caribbean and emigrated to Brooklyn. I had um, left school uh, a number of years, but was finding it difficult to find a job. The way it is there is that um, everything is academic mostly academic and it's based on the British colonial system of education. So everything was geared to uh, GCE as it was called, called them, uh, General Certificate of Education, and the subjects I took were academic, uh, English literature, history, and so forth. So being a, an, uh, an inconsistent student, I didn't get a lot of uh, O levels, which is the preliminary uh, level, uh, and not the advanced level, which would be A levels. So it was difficult to find a job. And it's a developing country, so uh, they don't, I guess they never have full employment. It happened that my older sister, my parents' oldest child, had married a USA Marine and was now living on the mainland USA. So I begged and pleaded and asked her <laughs> to uh, send for her little brother to um, to start anew in, uh, in the good old USA. And um, it took a while. There were some, uh, there were some, there were some uh, diversions before I, I actually got to come. It's, uh, that's another story. And I eventually did make it in uh, September of that year and of uh, September of 1978 and it was September and I had uh, left the Caribbean which is the tropics and came to Brooklyn which is in a, a temperate climate so I, uh, I slept that night, first night in the, the USA. And then I woke up and I looked outside. The sun was shining brilliantly. And I said, yeah! So I ran downstairs. No, I took that elevator down, ran outside in a t-shirt. And then I, <laughs> I, I first shock of, uh, of being in, uh, in North America. Um, the sun could be shining as brilliantly as you as you like, but that doesn't mean it's warm out. 
<laughs> so I learned, lesson learned. And uh, from that, I, I, um, the next thing was, the next thing was to get that job <laughs> that I'd come all this way to, uh, to find. And what neighborhood were you residing in? Oh, I was living in uh, the, uh, not exclusive, but the desirable Starrett City, <laughs> which is a high rise and the, um, the, the, the tenants were um, mostly people with, uh, well, I guess civil servants. Yes, my um, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, was uh, in the U.S. Navy, and I met some people that lived there. One person I met, he was a mortarman for the um, MTA. So yes, it was a desirable place to live, and uh, it was uh, a two-fair zone. <laughs> So I would uh, walk to the bus uh, and then take the bus to the train. Now, sometimes I would walk all the way up on Pennsylvania Avenue to, uh, to either the, um, the IRT, which was closest, or further away, the A train. And uh, I lived in Star City, but um, within walking distance of Brownsville, which was not upscale and had a fearsome reputation. <laughs> I think I was uh, frequenting Brownsville when Mike Tyson was uh, thugging on the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> but we never crossed paths, thank God. <laughs> so actually, for uh, I came to it. I came to love Brownsville for some reason. I uh, liked it better than Starrett City. And uh, I would frequent that neighborhood. I would go there, shop and, and things like that. And um, so that's, that's uh, the, ne the, 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 the next introduction to um, living in a, in a temperate climate was my first reaction was snow. Being in the Caribbean, I never, at that time, I, we never worried about weather forecasts. You know, it was always a good day, except sometimes it rained. <laughs> so I was uh, making my way to work as usual. Um, I had learned that you needed um, more <laughs> than an undershirt or, um, you know, a casual shirt to, uh, you needed layers if you were gonna be in, um, in this time of year, in uh, well, I guess fall, in in um, in, in uh, at least in New York, in New York, in Brooklyn. So I had um, had another layer. Um, I think it was um, it might have been uh, what was it? Um, some light coat that I probably bought from a thrift store or one of those military stores. I can't remember exactly. Anyhow, I'm walking, no head covering. So I'm walking. I think by then it had, uh, it had become winter. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, these, this, um, 
precipitation, solid precipitation started to come from the sky. Snow, okay, is, is this uh, what it is? Is this all there is? Is this all it is? So some snow fell on my head and uh, on my clothing and I looked at it and I, I touched it and tasted it and said, okay. Uh, it uh, is not as impressive as it looks in, looked in the photographs. <laughs> So that was my introduction to snow. And I, uh, my sister didn't treat me like a child because I wasn't. So she never really taught me how to, um, how to dress for the winter. I learned um, from experience. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think I ever learned, I learned to cover my head. You know, and you know, you read and you learn that 90% of your body's heat is lost through your head. So I learned to, to cover my head, to buy a wool hat. And also, um, I never learned how to tie a scarf. So even now, I think <laughs> I just take it and wrap it around. And I, I have my scarf always inside my jacket, my coat. I said, I don't know how, how, how those Europeans, how they wear their, their scarf on the outside. How, how do you do that? <laughs> I never learned. But, um, and one thing, I, being a, a young man and macho, I'd, um, I'd have my outer coat on, but I, I would have it unbuttoned like the, like the strong men did. And I, I did that, um, a few years until I, uh, I think I got the flu <laughs> and from then on I said I don't care I don't have to look you know uh, macho and tough and um, immune to um, you know to, to um, numbing cold I, I am gonna button my <laughs> my coat up up to the neck <laughs> as, as high as uh, it could go so um, that was another uh, introduction to, um, to the weather of uh, North America, of New York, of New York City, and Brooklyn specifically. Um, and then um, I, oh, there's so many adventures. I actually took um, uh, the best job I could find as a new immigrant not knowing their way around. I found my own job actually. And I went to one of these. At, at that time they had actually had employment agencies, you know, these type of, um, what would you call it? An immigrant trap where you had to pay them. <laughs> and they would uh, send you out and you'd go out and interview. So I interviewed with um, this uh, factory on, um, it was Dean Street in Brooklyn, and um, I have, I, you know, I, I'm new to the city, I don't know North American life, and this was a one-person factory, Mr. Miller, and um, so what he, I think he was, what was he making, paint? I think so, in big metal drums, and I, I, um, I surmised that it had been a thriving factory back in the day, 
but no one was making paint, you know, in uh, little factories anymore. I'm sure, you know, you had Glidens and whatever, Harris paints, I don't know. They, they you know, were big factories probably, not, uh, not small, <laughs> um, uh, you know, neighborhood paint makers anymore. Essentially, I had to, um, I, I had to, what, stir something? It's so far back, I can hardly remember. I, I guess you walked around and turned a drum, so it caught, it was a labor, it was labor intensive. And uh, I, being, I had taken academics, so I had never been a laborer, I've never worked that hard, hard at all. Because I've never, I've never really had a, um, a steady job, I, that's why I emigrated for uh, employment opportunity. So it was, I was young, strong, and vigorous, but um, it was something I had to get used to. And I don't think I was doing that well. First of all, um, it was a dusty, old, <laughs> it felt abandoned. It was just Mr. Miller and I. And there was no, it was winter, and there was no hot water, all cold water. <laughs> and, um, I would actually would actually give me a lunch hour, and uh, but what do you do? So you're you're tired, so you'd uh, lay down. You'd, you'd have to keep your coat on, your winter gear on, and so I'd lay down on some dusty in a dusty room and and rest a little bit before it was time to start again for the afternoon, and um, so that that didn't last long because. Um, Mr. I overheard Mr. Miller um, speaking on the um, on the telephone to the employment agency. He said, and I overheard him saying, "I don't think he really tried to hide it. Send me a good one." <laughs> so he wanted a good one. I guess I guess he wanted a real um, a, a man that was good, that was uh, practice and experience in labor work, in doing that hard type of work that um, I was being introduced to for the first time. So that didn't last long. I, um, my interests had always been, um, when I was back in the Caribbean, in uh, nutrition. And how did I get to that point? <laughs> um, I was interested in sports and um, uh, I, I like to read, so I read books about sports and that the sport I was most interested in was cricket and to be um, a, a good sports person to perform at your optimum you've got to be healthy so you cannot smoke cigarettes or drink uh, to excess so you've got to be healthy so I read about um, health and exercise and, and in order to be healthy as well and to maximize your strength and abilities, you, um, a healthy diet would help. <laughs> so I got interested in a healthy diet and I guess nutrition is um, the study of uh, food and um, the, the properties of food. So I got interested in nutrition. So when I got an opportunity to come to, the, um, to New York, 
I said, oh, well, I want to study nutrition. You know, I, I am going to start anew and um, take, avail myself of the opportunities. So there's employment opportunities and there's educational opportunities. And the better the education, the better the employment. So I, I did, um, without any real particular guidance, I picked the paper up or maybe it was the, um, the phone book and I looked nutrition school and unfortunately I guess I found one of, I found a trade school. I, I, I didn't really know or think I found a trade school and I said, you know, this is uh, New York so, you know, it's gotta be good. <laughs> so I attended a trade school on, um, on 14th Street in Manhattan in an, another old building. But um, this trade school would be teaching you uh, nutrition. Can't remember the exact, but it was nutrition I studied there. And um, uh, it, it was okay. Um, but and I, I think I might have gotten, uh, learned how to get, five, they, they filled out financial aid forms for me and I, you know, I signed away, I signed up for the, for the money to go straight to them. <laughs> Anyhow, um, after living in the city for a while, I learned that there was CUNY. So I, you know, I went to this, um, this CUNY intake center at, um, it was in further up in Manhattan. It was about, at, at that time it was at 33rd. Um, just off Tower Square, and I went there, aced the test because I had a, a, a good basic education, a good basic English colonial education, which is supposed to be good, and I aced the, the entrance test, and you know, I, I guess looking at the, the catalog, um, or having read somewhere, the, the nutrition class, the best nutrition class was at Lehman College or Hunter College. I, ch I chose Lehman because it was way up in the Browns and I wanted a, 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 different, um, a different adventure, you know. I'd go to school in the Bronx and live in Brooklyn. <laughs> so I, um, I, I started at Lehman and um, I, and I, I, took, I took the class for uh, nutrition and food science. It was, a, um, it was a, a, BS, a BS program for nutrition and food science. And I, um, I, I attended those classes, but at the same time, I um, had to, uh, I had to um, support myself. And I um, would take uh, part-time jobs for a short while. I was a foot messenger in, uh, in Manhattan. Uh, a lot of the places I worked, um, they're no longer there. Time marched on. I, I worked out of uh, uh, with a messenger service called Archer Messenger, messenger Service. I don't know if they still exist, they might. But the office I worked out of was on, uh, I think it was 40th Street and 
Lexington Avenue. I know that office is not there anymore. It was, I think it was a one floor walk up. Mo most of the buildings there now are um, high rises. So I worked there. I would, um, I would go into the office uh, after I came from my trade school class in the morning. I would work in the evening, afternoon, and uh, as a messenger, uh, minimum wage was, I don't know how much it was, $2 and change, two fifty nine. I can't remember. But it was a lot of money to me, <laughs> having not been a, an, a, a wage earner uh, before I came to New York. And um, I liked it. Uh, it was outdoors. Um, you know, I had a good facility for, um, for English and speaking, I was well-spoken, so I'd, I'd go out, I'd, um, the, what you would do, you would sit, you'd, a call would come in, the package would be, you either had to pick up the package um, at one place and take it to another place. Since uh, I didn't have a car, I had learned very well how to, um, how to use the subway. I became proficient at using the subway. Trial and error, getting lost, <laughs> and uh, I'm finding my way back. So I, I learned it after a while, and I, um, I, liked, I liked that job, and I liked the, what would you call him, the, 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 the guy that sent it out. He was nice. He, he, he was very fair. You traveled from Lehman all the way to Star City? I think by that time I had um, I had moved away uh, from Star City, and I had um, you know by the time I, I I went to Lehman, I think I had moved. Yes, I had moved to Harlem, to 135th Street, and 1990 uh, Madison Avenue, on the corner of. 137th and Madison. That's how I would say that. I know those words because that's how I always describe where I live when I told people I lived in Harlem. And Harlem had a, a reputation at that time. People would say, you live in Harlem? And I said, yes, I live in El Barrio, East Harlem on 137th and, and Madison Avenue right across from IS 37, and that's where the Boys' Choir of Harlem, that's their headquarters, that's where they're based. And um, I, I, uh, I like that neighborhood. I, um, Harlem is the black capital of the world. So I can brag, I lived in Harlem, uh, where James Baldwin was from, and actually um, Langston Hughes, home, he used to live right around the corner on 137th between uh, Madison Avenue and, uh, and Fifth Avenue. And I would pass his house and it had, um, it was, I think it was ivy, but it, it had uh, this bush that grew across the house and I came to know it as uh, Langston Hughes' home. By that time he had passed away. But um, being a, a big reader and a person who's interested in um, 
my heritage, African-American culture. I knew, I knew who Langston Hughes was, had his books, and uh, having aspirations as a, as a writer, um, I, I felt good. And I actually, um, years later, I, when I, I got into computers, I was able to locate a photograph of um, taken of Langston Hughes himself. He was, uh, was taken on the stoop on the house on the brownstone next to the brownstone that I was living in. And that's another story. I was living in a brownstone owned by my mother's great uncle. And they, um, that family, they had, uh, I guess they were among the, um, the people from the Caribbean who had emigrated to the USA, mostly New York and maybe Boston after the Second World War. So um, after many years of no contact, we were able to contact uh, my mother's great uncle and both my mom and I, who, who I had come to the USA with. Um, we, uh, we, we lived there, we stayed there. And so yes, um, I, I was living in Harlem, so the commute, I think maybe that's why I, I, one of the reasons I chose um, Lehman College because it was a nice, uh, it was a nice commute. You know, I had, um, we lived on 137th and Madison and the, the, the train that left, the public transportation that went there was the number four, I believe, the number four train. And um, it was, so I would walk, uh, I would walk down to, um, walk down the street, uh, either to 125th and walk across the Lexington Avenue and take the downtown four train, the express, uh, no, uptown, sorry, <laughs> uptown, <laughs> I'm going to, but that's another story, uh, uh, uptown and get off at uh, either Fordham Road and walk up a couple of blocks or um, Bedford Park Boulevard West and walk down. I never like walking back, so I always like to walk up from Fordham Road. And um, Oh, many, many, many years later. Um, while I was uh, going to school, I still had to support myself, so I would work part-time. And um, eventually, I, um, I would take uh, the city tests. That was a big thing in those days, where you would take, you would go to, there was this special place where you went and you took civil service tests. So I would take tests, and um, one time I worked as a paraprofessional in a school, but the schools were rough then, and I assisted the teacher, but schools had a fearsome reputation. I, um, I didn't really, um, I didn't like it, and I, I left after a short, maybe one semester, and, got, and did something else. But um, I, I eventually worked with, uh, I eventually took the Postal Service exam. And why I took that exam was 
Um, when I was still in Barbados, uh, my sister would send, uh, I don't know, she would send, she would send us parcels of, of uh, stuff, like clothing and stuff I requested. And I, I believe that um, she used a piece of paper as uh, as uh, packing, as uh, to so the stuff would be protected as packaging, and um, I think on that paper I read um, about postal workers, and that was a very desirable job. I don't, I can't remember how much seven dollars an hour. That seemed like when you know um, when you did the exchange rate, that was be $14 Barbados and it seemed like a whole amount, a lot of money and I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be a postal worker although I still I still wanted to be a nutritionist so you know <laughs> it was a little but anyhow I eventually took um, the postal test the first time I took it I didn't understand the scoring system because that's not what we had in the Caribbean so I um I went and you were supposed to um what were you supposed to do? You were supposed to fill the um the circle in. For some reason I don't know if I X I I did X or not, but I, I got zero the first time I took the test because I, I marked the, the um the, the, the computer test wrong so the computer didn't give me any marks at all and I was new it was in uh, when was it it was that same year I think uh, or it was in 79 I believe the next year after I came I was still um, very young very naive very introverted and very um, conscious of my Caribbean accent so I wouldn't even and I wouldn't even put my, raise my hand and say I didn't understand the instructions on how to mark this newfangled thing to me, um, a test paper that would be read by a computer. So I failed that. And I had to wait a couple of years. Uh, and then I took it again. And, um, and then I passed. But um, Ronald Reagan came in. He froze. <laughs> <laughs> federal jobs and the the post office was one of them so I passed that test in 81 didn't get called until 1984 thank you mr. Reagan <laughs> but um, so I worked with um, with the uh, with the, the postal service made it a career so I dropped out of school because I was going to school and I was saying, four years, four years, it's so long. Oh man, I can't be bothered. I'm going to, I'm working full time and going to school part time. And well, actually I was trying to work full time and go to school full time. And four years seemed like the longest thing to me. And then I worked for the postal service for 24 years. <laughs> So for four years really went by pretty quickly. But by then I, I had a good job, benefits, well paying and all that stuff. So I said, you know, I would um nutrition would be a hobby. But um by that what had happened after is why I came to live in Brooklyn. Um my brother who came after, my older brother who came who emigrated after, um 
he also lived at, uh, at the Brownstone in Harlem with us. And eventually my mom moved to Brooklyn to be with the daughter in Starrett City, who had, um, who had um, through whom we had um, uh, family reunifications when we had come here. So she, eventually my brother moved to Brooklyn and he got his own apartment and my mom moved to live with him. And I would visit them from Harlem from time to time. Eventually my mom got old and she got um, a chronic, uh, her diabetes, a chronic diabetes. So I would come frequently and um, I would come, I would take her, I was her main caregiver, I would take her to the doctor and so forth. And it caused a conflict because, um, you know, I, doctor's appointments aren't, um, are in the daytime. <laughs> and uh, if you're working, how are you going to take them to a doctor's appointment? You don't have that many days off. You have to request time off from your regular schedule. So eventually I said, you know what? Um, you know, I, well, my mom's care is more important. And after conflicts and, um, you know, taking days off and so forth, and they're saying you're taking too many days, um, an opportunity came for early retirement. So I said, I'm out. I took it. And it wasn't very favorable um, because, uh, um, because there was no payout. People were waiting for him to pay you a lump sum. I said, I, I don't care. Um, I'll sign me up. And I left. And so then I could be like a full-time caregiver for my mom. And uh, well, they gave us a gap stipend, they call it, between when I left and what would be um, full re uh, a full retirement age. Because I wasn't 59 and a half where you could actually um, get retire early so they, they gave us a, a stipend until you reach that gap and I would um, travel to Brooklyn to take my mom to the doctors so eventually um, when I left the PO I um, I essentially spent most of my time in Brooklyn with her um, to take care of her and after a while I just um, decided you know what <laughs> I should stay there with her rather than, you know, take her to the doctor, then go home at night and then get a call in the middle of the night from my brother, um, mom's not well, and then I have to come from Harlem to take, you know, to take her to the hospital or what. So I eventually stayed in Brooklyn. That's how I returned to Brooklyn at the end of 2008. The well, we, you certainly shared a lot with me today, and I really yeah. appreciate your time. Is there any lasting um, thoughts that we didn't well, no, it's just that, um, and I live in Brooklyn now, and um, I don't anticipate, um, as long as I live in the USA, uh, moving to an another location for the time being. I like Brooklyn. I, um, I know the parts that I know. I actually work now. Um, my post... Uh, my post, U.S. Postal Service job is, a job I choose, I, um, I work in East New York as a 
composting counselor, a, a job that I, <laughs> a job title that I made up where I sort of uh, instruct um, young people, young interns at this program called East New York Farms, which is an internship program for young people to introduce them to wholesome food and community gardening in what's essentially a food desert. So um, I'm a composting counselor now. And I do it in East New York, which is right next door to Brownsville. So I've come full circle. I still travel now on the IRD uh, number three, and I cross, uh, which crosses Pennsylvania Avenue. So um, after all these years, I'm uh, back in Brooklyn and in the original, uh, nearby the original neighborhood that I, I frequented. Brownsville, East New York. Well, thank, you. thank you. You're welcome.